Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello and welcome to the Watford Buzz podcast. Matt Jordan and Tom all here. Uh, guys, first of all, can I just thank you for taking care of the show whilst I was away? Uh, and how lucky you were to got to uh, talk about uh, Watford beating Luton, which uh, was, was fantastic. Oh, Neil as well. I mean, goodness. I just wanted to reiterate how happy I was about that because I didn't get my chance to do it on the pod. Yeah, I think thank Tom. Really, I didn't really do too much. But um, yeah, it was, uh, I guess it was two episodes in a row you were gone for, wasn't it? Um, but yeah, it's good to have you back. And. It, it feels like we've got the perfect midfield three balance back again. Unlike Watford. Yes. <laughs> well, we'll get into that. But first of all, let's start with some positives. Uh, the, the first back-to-back wins for, for ages. Um, what was it? Actually, I've, you've written down right in front of me here, Tom. April 2021 was the last time that we recorded back-to-back wins. Goodness, that was a long time ago. Yeah, kind of ridiculous, really, isn't it? And I think sums up everything we've been through in the last couple of seasons, that it was the, the tail end of that promotion season was the last time we did it. I, mean, I wasn't particularly surprised to learn it was last season. Sorry, that, that, that we failed to achieve it last season. Um, and I think, you know, the start we've made, um, it's been a, a kind of a long time coming and a, a thing that we have we have needed to do for some time and it felt like a relief. And the fact that people, and I think the club as well, even referenced it in, in the kind of full-time post on Twitter, just, just summed that up. And, you know, you have to build that momentum. We talked about it so many times and how kind of wins beget wins in the championship and so on and so forth. But it, it, it's so true. And I think if we've got any chance of doing anything this season, then we have to, you know, get use this as a springboard now to go on a bit of a, a run and, and get ourselves really in contention. But yeah, long, long overdue. And I think the fact that we've kind of recorded wins in different ways as well you know the kind of thrashing of Luton in what was a very open game by the end versus essentially grinding out nicking a win against Wigan on the road which again something we've not done very often this season only one win away from home um, you know shows we can win in different ways and, and now it's kind of over to the players to keep it up um, for as long as possible. Yeah, it did feel like a bit of a, a stolen victory, didn't it, Jordan? But um, the three points, uh, sometimes they just have to come however they come. And, and um, you know, sometimes they say that the best sides manage to grind out wins when, when perhaps they're not playing their best. But, uh, yeah, it's great to get back-to-back victories. Yeah, it was. And I think the contrast the two the two games was pretty stark. But, yeah, I mean, ultimately we got the points. We got the... The six points in two games, which as you kind of touched on there, has been few and far between. So it was it was good to have that again. And 
Um, yeah, I think snatching the game was in in some ways a, a fair description. We definitely weren't at our best, uh, and I think there's still some some answers that we have to kind of find um, in those sorts of matches. I think we all feared going into it; it was going to be difficult. Uh, it kind of pretty much played out as we expected, I'd say, as most expected. Uh, this time, I guess the difference is we actually managed to to capitalise on a little bit of quality. Uh, we also had, I think, also just you know the use of the sub bench was a little bit better as well at times, and I think it just helped uh, helped kind of get us that extra little boost towards the end. So I think that was a positive to look at as well. It was nice to see Francisco Serralta back in the team as well. I think he's been a bit of a miss since since he's been out. Yeah, I think um, I, I think he had something. I, I think I've seen quite a few mixed opinions of Serralta. I know he's not perfect, mm. but I think at this level, I do think he, he offers. Uh, a fair amount and I said this all the time about him but if you just point him in the right direction he's going to tackle it so just allow him to allow him to be that sort of combative defender and his use of the ball is fine as long as you're not asking too too much of him and I think he's um, I think he's a useful asset and especially to we'll, we'll touch on it um, as we kind of get further into the game itself but the way teams are playing against us currently we are going to have to be defending our box a fair amount and I think having someone like him is, is quite important yeah it was nice that he was back but um Unfortunately, he was back because Craig Cathcart was out with an injury. Someone who has very recently been showing, you know, just how good he can be in this Watford defence. He's kind of been the mainstay, hasn't he? When he's been fit, he's been in the team, and he uh, he's certainly one that that we we missed against Wigan. He's just Craig Cathcart, isn't he? He's everything people kind of. That's his song, everything isn't people, it? <laughs> everything people kind of beat him over the head with are his. Um, his kind of qualities as well you know he is consistent he is um fairly safe fairly boring and 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 when when the mood around kind of Vickers Row Twitter etc is negative it's oh god Craig Cathcart when the mood is up and boiling it's Craig Cathcart you've got to build it around people like him and I think that is probably more true than the other side of it and and he's for it, anyone that kind of you know, doesn't appreciate him. I would say just look at the kind of games where he comes in, you know, more often than not, if he comes back into the side, it looks more solid, it feels more solid. And we get, you know, the performance and the wins and whatnot. And I think that was evident against Luton. I think it was interesting that Billich said in the build-up to the Wigan game, getting off topic here massively already, but I thought it was interesting the build-up to the Wigan game that Billich made a point saying, look, he's played through the last couple with a, a problem and, you know, he's kind of succumbed to it. And I think that's the kind of guy he is... Um, it's a shame because it feels like we've never had a single kind of pairing at centre-half all season. Cathcart obviously started on the kind of left-hand side of the back three under Rob Edwards, which I think we all agreed wasn't his position. Then he had a little go at right back in a four. Uh, he's now played centre-half for a bit and he's injured again. But Sierra Alta probably is the next one for me personally, kind of the next cab off the rank that you'd want to build around. Um, certainly in terms of players that are regularly available with uh, Courtney Hawes uh, having some question marks, albeit he was back on the bench. So yes, good to see Alts back. And it was interesting, Jordan, you picked up on it, that there's been some kind of mixed opinion around him because I don't think he's been as bad as some people have made out. They've been very quick to knock him down, having spent the whole of last season building him up, which I find strange. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he can get he can get turned every now and then. He's a, he's a little bit clunky. He's not... Um... He's not the most mobile in certain situations. That's kind of what we said about him, you know, right from when he first signed. You could see from the off, really, mobility and playing in space isn't his strong suit. So on occasion, if he gets dragged out wide or in too much space, he's probably going to get turned. But, you know, if you've got a fullback either side, you've got fullbacks on his left and you've got, you know, a decent defender either side of him, and you, you kind of got him in a position where he can just be effective in what he does. You know, he did well again against Wigan. I think he won 10 out of 11 aerial duels, which is one of where his 
that's his bread and butter, isn't it? That's what he wants to be doing, and he's still solid. And yeah, possession was fine. He's, I think he's good. I quite like him there, and it allows us a little bit of freedom um, to maybe be a little bit more progressive with the centre back next to him. Not that Trista Kong is, is is amazing at doing that. I think Syriata is a good supplement to kind of whatever variant or centre back you want to have next to him. Yeah, you've said in the past, Jordan, that you think Shirata is the perfect uh, middle of a, of a back three, but that he would struggle in a, in a back two. So is that the issue that, that we've got at the minute, that you know he's not as effective as he can be? Yeah, I mean, I think it's it, it really does accentuate his strengths if you put him in a central position, because you're asking, you're, you're protecting him from his weaknesses and, and, and you know pushing his, his strengths forward even further. So that is the ideal situation, because you are really just saying to him, you know, head the ball, clear the ball, play it simple, move on. That's it. That's that's great. So it also doesn't put him in a situation where he is having to get into that space and you know tuck in and, and cover Kamara if someone gets wide. You know, he saw his position quite hard at the pitch and he gave away the he had to give away a professional foul on on Will Keane, I believe it was. Um, when he kind of got spun by an awkward bounce and you know that's where he doesn't want to be. What he wants to be on the edge of his box. He wants to be in the box and he wants to be playing in those positions. So. Look, he can still be effective in the back four, uh, but you know if you if you're looking at a back three again at any point, I think you are still looking at him as that you know pivotal central figure there too. Kafka, of course, wasn't the only player that was out for this fixture. Keenan Davis was out, who had a fantastic game against Luton. Uh, I, I think we all knew he would he would be a miss in in this Wigan Big loss, fixture. Yeah. Um, Bayo came in. I suppose it's a two part question, really. How big a miss was was Davis, and and did Bayo manage to fill in for him in, in, in a in a positive way. Yeah, it's interesting with Bayo, isn't it? It's it's kind of I think we build so much of the attack around Davis and what he can do and I think we all appreciate in a very short amount of time what he can do. And he gave, you know, as, as Jordan and I kind of wax lyrical about uh post Luton, he gave, you know, an incredible performance and display of what he can do in that game. That the the change to Bayo is really quite stark and you obviously want to have kind of different horses for different courses and so on but I think you know there is there's quite a big difference between those guys not necessarily about ability but about what they are you know you look at them even physically Bayo is not short he's not a small bloke by any stretch of the imagination but he's just not as broad and kind of physically imposing as Keenan Davis he still puts himself about he still does the hard work and the kind of physical work and so on and so forth. He's probably a little bit kind of quicker and more likely to run with the ball, but it's um, yeah, it's a bit of it's a bit of a kind of I don't want to say drop off, but there's a there's a difference between those guys, and and I think that might be something we look to address in January, possibly getting you know a Keenan Davis light figure in. I don't know what you guys think. Mm. Yeah, they are they're different players, aren't they? Very different players. Vakun Bayo's um, nickname is the Crow, but you, you, you'd never imagine Keenan Davis being given that nickname, would you? I mean, he doesn't look anything like a crow. But um, what, what, what bird would Keenan Davis be? No. I don't know. Maybe the um, the albatross or a flightless bird. I imagine <laughs> a flightless bird. What like the penguin or something? I think so. Yeah, just he's a big old unit, isn't he? Whereas you can imagine Vakun Bayo getting up a bit more. <laughs> Sorry, Keenan. But he's got to be an effective flightless bird, though. So, like, I mean, maybe like a an ostrich. Pen- oh, an ostrich. Oh, Penguins yeah. are effective. Okay, yeah, an ostrich. He's pretty quick yeah. as well, isn't he, Davis? So maybe. Yeah, he's no slouch, is he? Sorry, we've gone way. Well, I think it's fair to say there's yeah. probably not a bird that represents 
Keenan Davis as accurately as we'd like. This is a not even, well, I guess it's a kind of somewhat of a shameless plug here, but if you didn't watch the video I did on YouTube regarding uh, Stavon Bilic's tactics with us recently, I think this is something that was we kind of talked about on there um, in regards to Davis and Bale. I think Davis is the key uh, to linking this this attacking situation we have currently. The four attacking players we put out there, um, you know, kind of the number 10, the two wingers uh, and the striker, I think they're all so different. The, the thing that really binds them is the ability to play that ball in field uh, and, and kind of link up play through Davis. Davis just so happens to be effective in a goal-scoring situation as well at times. So it's, it's you know, win-win. But uh, I think what he offers there, if you take that out of the team, it does affect the rest of the team a little bit more. Um, it's not just the kind of option up front, which which differs. It's kind of what the players behind him have to use um, when they're bringing that ball forward. You think about how Yao Pedro carries the ball from deep. So many of our chances will actually lead to an attacking situation from his carries. Just the option to, once he, once he beats two two men, he brings that ball in field, just having someone like Davis to to play it into, and you know, vacuum bio is actually quite good with the one t- the kind of one touch layoffs. His interplay is actually pretty decent. Um, we saw it a couple of times. There's one really good, um, really good situation he set up where the ball came into him uh, from Pedro into him. He had a nice layoff into Saar, um, and it was almost a goal. Saar just couldn't quite finish, but. I think with with Bio he offers a little bit more in a in kind of a roaming forward sense. He's he's going across the back line. He's playing quite laterally. He's looking for space. He's always getting in good positions. I think he's intelligent in the box and he finds himself in good shooting positions. But we're not a team that's particularly creative um, from a creating chances standpoint for others. We're very much uh, a team that kind of gets our wingers and attacking midfielders into play to get shots on goal and and get in the box themselves rather than feeding our striker and. I think vacuum bio is someone you want to feed rather than be the guy who actually kind of links things. And this is something we talked about before too. And it comes to assessing forwards, and you know, even when it comes to assessing forwards that we're interested in, uh, with the players we have, the assets we have, it's not always really a goal scorer that's going to be top of the list. And I think Keenan Davis kind of emphasizes that. Uh, he he's someone that we, he's kind of a first name of the team sheet when available. Uh, and I don't think that if you put him in a team which kind of had a little bit more productivity around him that he'd score more goals than Bio. it's just everything else that he brings to, to the table as well who is the best replacement that we have currently for for davis should everyone Not else really be like for like available manai, i don't think they're like for like manai is just he's manai is just a bit i don't think he offers the link he's he's a physical presence but davis davis's physicality is an it Davis's physicality is an added bonus to his other, to the other areas of his game. I think the biggest area for his game, his touch, um, his control is very good. His his ability to to link play, his physicality helps in those situations. There are times where he buys more time on the ball, or the ball's going to stick to him a little bit longer because he can bounce it off and he can hold the defender for an extra second before kind of rolling him or laying it off. That's great, but I think that's actually just an added bonus. His his touch and so on would be. You know, it would be good on a striker that was in the, in the same shape as Bio. You know, someone a little bit slighter. Um, I, I think it just kind of adds to his game. So, I wouldn't necessarily want to replace with someone like um, like uh, Manai. I think he's just a bit more of a battering ram and a bit more, just a bit, a bit more raw. He's not as he's not as he doesn't have as much finesse as, as Davis does. Uh, he's not as well rounded as Davis. And I think that's the same with Bio too. They're not as they're both not as well rounded of a player. Um, I think it's very you difficult to replace that in Davis, though. Sorry, go on. No, that's fine. You you mentioned Davis's, uh, sorry, Bio's kind of, uh, you know, touch and whatnot and ability to bring others. And you did see that yesterday as well, I think, didn't you? There were a couple of opportunities yeah. in the first half. The one where he kind of did the one-two with Saar, 
who arguably might have done better. And then there was one where he kind of laid it off for Ken Semmer on the run to ding mm. one wide. So there is there is that to his game. I just it, yeah, he's just not quite as as good at it, perhaps, is he? No, I think our build up and the players we have is suited to having a you know a, a creative striker, someone that can can link play and. That's not easy to find, particularly. Um, you know, we, we tried to replicate it for a while when we were looking for backups for Troy for years, and we never really successful in doing so. And not, I don't really like the Davis Steeny comparison, but there are some elements to them. You can definitely you can draw some comparison in terms of, of how we use them. But um, I think when we have our talent, our attacking talent, our real threat comes from the likes of Sara and Pedro. That's what you'd expect. Uh, I, I think. I think Davis elevates those players more than any other striker we have, and elevating those players can really be a difference maker because when them two are on their game, you know, it's a, they're guys that can win games for you almost single handedly at times. So um, I think trying to replace Davis is difficult, but, you know, when you've got Bio in there, you'd like to think that as we develop and if it becomes more of a viable option, uh, that we look for other ways of getting involved. But if you had to kind of replace Davis now just to kind of get a like for like output, I'd almost argue that, that Pedro in the central position and then using Espria behind is, is almost more of a like-for-like situation than um, anyone else that we have. Do you see Watford going back in for someone like Cameron Archer in, in January? If that's a possibility? Or... No, I think, well, there was, we'll probably get into it um, shortly, but the um, Matthias possibly coming in January might be the, the forward option they're, they're looking at rather than replacing or adding depth from any other route I think at this point whilst we're talking about uh, attacking threats that um, that we had yesterday Samuel Kalou who had started to to feature a bit more for Watford recently mm. um, has been sort of growing in his uh, in his abilities that he's been showing us recently and, and you know I think yesterday was another good example of um, you know the, the skills coming to the Thor and I, I think he can certainly have an impact this season for Watford if he, if he can yeah. show this sort of uh, high level that he's, he's been displaying. Who saw that coming? Uh, I must admit, in the when he didn't play at the start of the season, I kind of assumed that was him really just, you know, he would be essentially done as a Watford player and those little cameos that we saw in the kind of the, the real dregs of last season were going to be it for him and he'd go down and kind of, you know, folklore with Johan Cavalli and people like that. Um, <laughs> but lo and behold, here he is making an impact and effectively helping us win games. I thought it was really interesting insight. You very rarely get this, I think, from managers. They you know, they do tend, however the question is pitched, to kind of straight bat it and, you know, not give a, a lot away. But I guess it's kind of easier to give a bit away when your plan has evidently worked. But Billich said afterwards to Andrew French about kind of sending him on with the intention of running at them, but not specifically not crossing. And he said, when I send him Kalou on, I said to him, don't cross the ball because Wigan are good at defending crosses, which is, it's only a very small thing, I suppose. And, you know, a very small part of the overall game plan, but it was interesting to read, you know, what actually he had observed or he and his staff had observed and something they were trying to negate. And it evidently worked in the time he was on. Ironically, obviously, the goal comes from him kind of beating two or three players and then sitting up a cross that gets headed straight out for a corner. So I guess Billich was right. They are good at defending crosses, but maybe not um, uh, corners because the obviously the goal comes from the, the second ball in uh, over on that right hand side. But yeah, I thought it was it was it was good to see him. You know, he was one of the few players that came out of the Millwall debacle with any 
um, credit as well. And certainly a few people were calling for him to start against Luton. I think if there isn't, if I was trying to say there isn't a drop off between Keenan Davis and Bayo, they're just different players. I think there's evidently a drop off between the kind of starting wingers and Kalu at this point. But he's going to be a, I think, a serviceable and, and useful option. And given you know we aren't in a position evidently to throw heaps of money around, that's uh, that can't be a can't be a bad thing. I thought it was nice as well that Bilic kind of also in the same set of quotes, talked about the, the kind of impact of the substitutes overall and how uh, the players came. The players who came off the bench won the game. The substitutes raised our levels and they raised our quality in the final third. Um, you know, quite often I've been guilty of this this season, looking at the bench and going, well, the starting eleven has to win it because there's nothing on the bench. But I think we're, we're gradually, gradually getting to a point with players coming back from injury and Kalu being one of those, where you can say, actually, there are players on the bench who might might change the game for us and, and Kalu was definitely one of those so so good on him and credit to Bilic as well for bringing on Kalu and Espria as well to give us some different options there too which is nice um, yeah I thought Kalu was great actually I thought he was really direct he was positive he brought energy um, you can tell he wanted to be on the pitch you know he was really difficult there's that you know the dribble the little carrier the boy had where he kind of took a knock on his ankle but he was uh he was, you know, he got past three or four players and still managed to, you know, get into the box. It was a, it was a really good effort, and I think there's nothing to suggest and nothing to say that he couldn't kind of come in there and and compete for a position, you know, compete for maybe uh, Ken Semmer's position. There's lots of options, and I think it's, um, yeah, it's really, it's really fortunate we've got that asset kind of at our disposal now. It seemed for a while that he wouldn't be, you know, he wouldn't be used too often, so it's good to see him. Yeah, the thing I I quite like about Kalu, you know, when it, with a direct comparison to to Ken is that he, he seems like he isn't as one-footed as as, 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 as dear Ken is. Definitely, yeah. Well, and he's, a, he's more direct in the way he carries the ball too. He adds a different dimension. You, know, you don't want to play against that. If you're, a, if you're a team like Wigan, who have, this is also something we should, I want to discuss real quick in regards to Wigan, so I'll mention it just kind of in, in line here because it does kind of tie in, but the thing we really struggled with yesterday and we've struggled with all season is teams know that they can press us from the beginning. Um, they can just use a high energy, you know, quite aggressive press, and we're not able to play out of it. We're so kind of we're pushed back so far. You know, we're knocking the ball out for throw-ins constantly, and just we're really struggling early on. Um, but what what has happened against Wigan yesterday, and also against Blackpool too? You know, and then we lost the black with the Blackpool. The Blackpool game didn't go exactly as we wanted. But um, what we did see in both of those situations, though, is the teams do tire quite quickly. Uh, and there is an opportunity later on in games if we've kind of weathered the storm that we can break them down with our pace and power. Having someone like Kalu, whether it's off the bench or starting, does give you a different outlet, especially when Davis isn't there. Um, having someone with that extra kind of little burst just to force them into being a little bit more respectful of that break uh, is useful. Um, but having him in there was, you know, it was good to see. And I think when you look at the game on Wednesday, Semmer's had a lot of minutes. Kalu's come in and done quite well. There's every possibility that he starts that game. And I think it's probably quite deserved at this point. And, and that little mazy run from Kalu that got into the box, I think, was that what led to the, the corner that ultimately we scored from? It was, wasn't it? Yeah, I think it was. So, you know, fair, yeah. fair play yeah, to him. And, and also, you know, shout out to Yasser Espria who came on and, and put the, the second ball back in. Uh, really good cross into the into the bottom of the 60-yard box and got the head of Pedro. Yeah, yeah, Joe Pedro with a couple of headers now this season, I think. He's good in the air. Jao Pedro is, you know, is one of those deceptively big. I think people that haven't seen Jao Pedro play live or haven't seen him play too much, will quite likely think he's kind of a five foot nine, five foot ten kind of kind of mazy forward. But he's actually, you know, he's a he's got a presence to him and he's he's able to get in the box and, and be quite, you know, be quite 
useful in those situations. Wigan aren't a small team. They've had set-piece issues this year. Um, defending set-pieces has been a bit of a standout issue for them. But even so, you know, they, they still were kind of exposed and, and Jao Pedro is kind of capitalising. And I think almost he didn't think it was going in at first. His reaction kind of, I think he thought it was going over. But... Um, yeah, so we you know we we did well from a set piece, and then at the other end we kind of just scraped by and managed to get through in the last one of the game as well. Tom, you've written down here a proper centre forward goal. Exactly. Yeah, I wrote yeah, that down. Then I was prior to this, I was reading the the, the coverage on the Watford Observer website, and actually in Billich's post match quotes, he put that. He said that as well. Uh, he's Brazilian, so he's got that flair. He dribbles, he's sharp, but he's also quick, he's strong, and he can use his body. That was a centre forward's goal today. And it's absolutely true. You know, he's gone up and he's just tried to get something on it and help it goalwards. It looked like a kind of back of the head, side of the head, but, you know, just threw himself at it, you know, lost cause or otherwise, and it's gone in. And sometimes that's the difference. And I think, you know, we are often guilty here, I think, of not doing the unglamorous stuff and almost go, you know, wanting to score kind of the perfect goal or, or, or do it in a, a beautiful way or whatever it may be. Sometimes you just need to be, you know, I think we learned, saw this at Millwall, you just, you just got to kind of do the, the basics well and, and what have you in this division and it will it will give you opportunities to win football matches and, and, and so it proved. But yeah, I think there's a, a misconception, isn't there? I don't necessarily think about among Watford fans, but perhaps the wider kind of public that, oh, he's come from Brazil, he must be all about Joga Benito. Well, he's not. He loves to scrap and he's a big, strong boy and he's probably still only going to get yeah. bigger and stronger because he's young as well so yeah hell of a player and I think if the last championship season was kind of SARS crystallising season as a Watford player this is turning into to, to, to Israel Pedros isn't it yeah absolutely I mean yeah. sh- should he be playing that role um, instead of Davis when Davis is injured or, or do, you, do, you, do you like him better where he is planning for your next trip elevate your travel style with Quince Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway like European linen premium luggage options buttery soft Italian leather bags and so much more and it's all priced at 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands plus Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices pack your bags with high quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365 day returns hiring for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn you're looking in the wrong place that's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. burrow.com slash ACAST. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. It's, I think his best position is where he is. It just depends if he is a balance. It's a, it's a, you know, it's a pro and con situation. It's a, you got to kind of balance it out and see, you, you know, you pick your poison a little bit because... I think he offers something in that forward position still. I think his best position is to have freedom and lambs drop deep and carry the ball. It's so effective for him to do so. He can still get in the box. He can still attack. But, you know, those sorts of situations, he's good in the box. He's good at linking play. And it does offer something if you feel that Esprit is up to the challenge of starting, which he, he could be. So I think it really comes down to um, how much of a drop-off you feel you get in, pro- in productivity and overall production by moving Pedro forward and bringing Esprit in. You know, are you better off to to kind of get some diminishing returns in the striking position from Bayo, or um, in the kind of attacking midfield position from Espria? It's, it's it's a tough one. I think personally, it would be opponent based, um, but I think there's a very strong argument to try either. Honestly. Okay. Cool. Well, uh, I mean, it's it's a hard call, isn't it? It's a hard call. You know, he's not going to say play up front heaps because we need him to do the the loser job. Uh, one of the reasons he's not playing at centre forward the whole time is we need him, especially when we don't have loser. We need him to get us up the pitch without having to kick the ball long. I think we saw that against Luton a hell of a lot, didn't we? His ability. To, oh, but it said that actually. Yeah, yeah, his ability to kind of, you know, carry us forward, particularly on the break. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And particularly, it seems kind of drifting left to right um, from memory. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I think we're just lucky to have a talent of his ability, of his level, that he could conceivably play up front or a bit deeper. They even said he could play holding midfield if Chowdhury was missing. So. Um, he, that's really? interesting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, th- this is this is something also touched on in the in the Billich video too. Is when 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 loser is out, you know, we struggle to progress the ball, we struggle to break the press. That is where Joe Pedro does have a lot of use, especially from that left hand side. Um, and when, and also when it comes to progressing the ball, it's not just passing; it can be carrying too. Uh, so that is definitely something to consider, and that's definitely one of the things you lose if um, if he drops out. What I will say is, I would be interested to see. I think someone like a Spreer would work quite well with the way he plays the game. He kind of carrier, but also looks to thread the ball a little bit earlier than Pedro. I would be interested to see how um, a Spreer would link up with Bio. If Bio was to play, I think it'd be quite suited to having someone like that behind him. I do love these comments from Bilic. He just he lets the press uh, and, and the wider audience into that little um, extra detail that previous previous managers haven't done it's 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 very nice to see it's interesting to hear the thought process it doesn't give anything away tactically really it's just interesting to hear what he thinks um about some of the players the options he has yeah more of it would be great thank you very much mr billich Uh, carry on um talking of which we we move on now to cardiff on wednesday um i mean three wins in a row would be lovely wouldn't it but uh typically cardiff have been quite difficult at home yeah, I'm trying to think. It was the last time we played them in the game that Massena scored. Was that one? The free kick? Cool, yeah, it was. Good memory. I think that was our last... Yeah, I think that was a tough a tough fixture. Yeah, I mean, obviously a very different looking um, very different looking Cardiff team to what we played that day. But 
Yeah, it's going to be a tough one. I mean, I think it's going to be it's going to be similar to the Wigan game in some ways. I do think they might start. I think pretty much every team we're going to play against now are going to try and be quite aggressive, um, especially teams kind of around or below our level. Maybe the kind of more dominant teams might not feel the need to. But I think being aggressive and, and assertive against Watford in the first 10-15 minutes is a bit of a recipe for success uh, if you can maintain it for a little bit longer than that too. So I, I expect to see more of that. But Cardiff, I think, I do think Cardiff offer a little bit more of a threat Am I right or wrong in saying that, Tom? What do you think? The, the thing about Cardiff that I didn't realise from my um, just having a, a little look around and having complained recently that I no longer have Scout access, the news that FB Ref have got Opta data and therefore from the Championship now is a godsend in this respect. Cardiff have scored the joint least goals in the division, joint fewest goals in the division this season. Um, mm-hmm. Second fewest shots on target per 90 minutes. XG is appalling and so on. I think they're, but the thing with them is they're kind of grinding out results when they do get them because they don't concede a huge amount yeah. either. They're kind of top scorers are on two goals apiece, Mark Harris and Romain Sawyers, which is probably indicative of those problems. Um, but, you know, they as we as you touched on, Matt, they've, they've started to get a few more results now, haven't they? Um, now that Steve Morrison has left and Mark Hudson's in interim charge, I think they've got some decent players there as well I always used to really like thought Romain Sawyers when he went to West Brom was a hell of a signing for them and it didn't quite work out for him there the thing that surprised me about them is they're not as direct as I thought I kind of had them pegged in my mind as being a pretty direct side but actually they're not necessarily in terms of in terms of long passes I guess as as your point there a minute ago Jordan you know you can still carry the ball forward quickly and kind of take a fairly direct route to goal in that sense but I, I kind of had them pegged as smashing it up to a big man because uh, they used to have Kiefer Moore last time we were in yeah. this level but uh, not so much these days it seems so it's, look it's Cardiff they've been in this division a hell of a long time they've got a lot of staying power they have got a lot of players that have been around this level um, you know for a, for a decent amount of time they're not going to they're not going to roll over and, and die for us without kind of getting into championship cliches but I think they're I think they're, they're there for the taking as well yeah, they got some injuries and so on, but they've you know they brought in. I think there was thirty thirty or so signings they brought in this summer. Um, they signed a hell of a lot of players, didn't they? Yeah, and the comings and goings. It was maybe it wasn't thirty. It was it was high though. It was definitely high. Um, and yeah, it's, the squad's quite different, but they've got some quality in there. Um, they've got some good defenders. I think I think Jamali Collins is pretty good. Um, they've you know got Callum O'Dowder and kind of playing from the left and so on. Uh, Ryan Winter as well is good in midfield. They've got some, they've got some decent players. So you know they they can pose a threat. Even someone like Shea Ojo is is he can be dangerous in his day as well. So you can't underestimate them. Um, and and the thing is, I think you know it's a good indicator to see the overall kind of goal scored shots and so on. But I think just it's tough because the way teams can play against us, I think we do give away quite a few chances for teams that often don't create that many. Um, I should actually verify that and go and look to see how teams that struggle with opportunities do against us on average. Um, but yeah, I, it's, it's tough to call, but I think when it comes to Watford, it's in this Watford this season especially, can we can we keep that kind of run going? Can we go to another away game and, and kind of use the last game as a bit of a blueprint in terms of how to, for lack of a better term, grind it out again? Uh, that, that might be the way, because I, I was hoping a little bit we'd see more of a control in, in the Wigan game. Uh, more of an attempt to control, perhaps we can take a step forward and try and do that a little bit more. 
but at least we know we can be competitive, even if we are being a little bit more reactive and being dragged down. I say being dragged down to the levels, maybe a bit harsh because maybe that is our level. But um, I think we should be aspiring for more, at least in general. There will be at least one change on Wednesday because Hamza Chowdhury has picked up his fifth yellow card, so earns himself a suspension. Um, he's been kind of uh, one of the players that have, have been the most consistent, uh, and it's kept his place. It's a hard one to 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 fill in that that sort of very boisterous getting around the pitch, making those last ditch challenges. There's no one else really that does it in the same way he does. Probably <laughs> Gosling in midfield, and then Gaspar seems to be fit enough to play it right back. Now I would assume. Don't think there's any other way to do it, is there? Tom I Kevin, guess Tom Tom Bashir was on the bench, but he doesn't sound fit enough yet either. They, they said they said he's not fit, and, and cleverly's kind of had surgery now, hasn't he, on this problem that's plagued him since the first few games of the season. So, in, in all seriousness, Billich did say, and all I feel like I've done is quote Billich today, but he did say in his praise of him. Um, I said to my staff, let's say we needed cover in the areas where Chowdhury and Kayembe play. I know we have Gosling, but Pedro could play that role. He has everything. So I'm just saying, I wouldn't be surprised if he put Pedro in there. Not necessarily to do exactly what Kayembe does, but we have seen it. Was it Stoke at home in the promotion season where he played in central midfield in a kind of 4-1-4-1? Have I remembered that right? It was certainly one home game. It was certainly one home game. And I just... Yeah, it might be Forest. It was a team wearing red. Let's put it that way. What if Bristol so, City? No, 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 that can't be, can it? That was the that was the the, the super game, wasn't it, where Will Hughes played um, oh. centrally in a four three three for the first time. We we battered them, didn't we? Um, oh, okay. So, but it really underlines the lack of depth in central midfield. Whether he does it or not, I don't know. But I think it's. I think it's probably likely that it's Dan Gosling and Gaspar in at right back, isn't it? Yeah, I wouldn't be unhappy with that. I think Gaspar has has looked a lot better um, in this sort of new position that he's kind of playing under Billich. There's less less requirements on him to get forward, and that that suits his game better. Yeah, having the coverage um, in front of him kind of just changes things a little bit for him. Just different dimension of his game. He doesn't have to contribute so much in forward areas, and you can you know be a little bit more. A little more passive in terms of carrying the ball, but still, you know, maybe see that that position which actually suits him most, which where he can kind of come up through the underlap sort of area, that you know, just kind of underlap support in that way, get involved in possession through midfield, be a passing outlet rather than bombing on and getting across. And that's not really his game. So, you know, we might see more of him. You can also be somewhat compact and, and defensive when needed to, also. So, I think it's definitely a better opportunity to see. Kind of where he's at and what he's got left to offer than, than what we kind of got to see under Rob, Rob Edwards. Do you think Davis still misses this game? No, I think Davis is back for this one. I, I would maybe not, maybe doesn't start, but I would. I think there's a chance he starts this one. Yeah, I could, I could see. It didn't sound like it was going to be too long, did it? The, the kind of language around it was, you know, he's, he's going to miss, um, miss one sort of thing. But you know, I'd be tempted to kind of roll with the. I don't think Cardiff are the strongest team by any means, so I'd be kind of tempted to roll with the the, the team that won at um, that won at Wigan. Uh, mind you, the next three or four, in fact, the next few, we've got a, we've got a bit of a dare I say it, a nicer run now between now and the kind of the World Cup. Timestamp this moment, listeners. Yeah, I'm, yeah, <laughs> I'm really going to regret saying this, aren't I? But 
I'll well, look, you're not run. wrong. I'm going to run with it. We've got Coventry after that, who are obviously having a horrible season. Oh, then let me um, just let me just say, go on. So we've got so who's who's the next ones? We've got Cardiff so in seventeen. Cardiff way on Wednesday. Yeah, uh, Coventry after that, who are in twenty second at home. Yeah, Reading, who are in the top half and were flying at the start of the season, but. The problem with that is they are managed by Paul Ince and all their underlying <laughs> are horrible. So, yeah. And then Bristol City The footballing away. gods remembered that Paul Ince is in charge and corrected things. Precisely. And then Bristol City away, who are, you know, 14th, but I don't think they're really sort of pulling up any trees uh, by any uh, by any stretch of imagination. And then that takes us up to the World Cup break. So, you know, if you could get nine points out of that, I think we'd be pretty happy and yeah. that probably yeah. leaves you in decent nick going into the world yeah. cup break is there a chance we get is there a chance even if you i mean it's difficult would you reckon we can go unbeaten in that right in that section there i don't think it's, is that, think it's is that inconceivable the target? no yeah I, I, would, I would be looking at that as a run of four and saying we should go unbeaten through it yeah definitely yeah definitely two, if you got two wins two draws how do you feel yeah eight points yeah i'd be all right with that i'd definitely be all yeah. right with that Reading are obviously, you know, they've managed to win games this season. They've, they've lost a lot of games. They've lost as many games as they've won. That's the, the thing about them. And they've got a negative goal difference in the top half, um, minus five, which is kind of amusing. But, well, the yeah, fact that know, the, the fact there's two home, the fact there's at home against Reading is nice. That's, that's, yeah. That's it. And they've only won one weeks, of the last five. Yeah, yeah, big time. This is this is it now. We, you know, we two clean sheets and two wins in a row. As I said at the start, kind of one in different ways. Now it's right. Let's start putting down some real kind of form, some build, some momentum, and and show that actually, for all the kind of shortcomings that we know of this squad, we've got enough quality to get to get through. Because you know, yeah. Pedro Sar, Davis went fit. Uh, Espria yeah. when he's playing well you know these are these guys Ken Semmeris have been very effective at this level you know there's no reason why we can't kick on from here I would say um, it's a real opportunity to, to get some to kind of end on a good foot yeah good saying. but to be in a situation where we go into the we go into that break and you know we've got some momentum we can kind of have that rest with a positive mindset not, not kind of that stress and anxiety of oh we've got to get back to it in a month's time and kind of regain our composure and get ourselves back to where we should be so if we can finish strong um then we can use a break to our advantage and that's obviously the hope for every club right now um yeah. but i think we do actually have a good opportunity to do that i'm just trying to look at some of the fixtures around the league and you know we've got one of the best runs in these next four games so if we can capitalize and make the most of it then you know it puts us in a good position going forward because you you look at the table how, how close it is right now you know we're what we're nine points off top no, you, you add an additional eight points across those games the way the championship is you could you could be putting yourself right up towards the automatic promotion if you do that yeah currently just three points from fourth as well it's really it is. tight isn't it apart from the kind of top two you know even then you wouldn't say oh they're running away with it by any means they're just there's a no. little bit of separation between them and QPR um, in third but it is you know it's pretty tight and there's only two teams in the whole division that have got a, a goal difference, a positive goal difference of more of ten or more. You know, Swansea are in yeah. there on, on a, a zero goal difference. Reading, as I said, yeah. are on minus five. It's you know, it's open. It's open this year. Really, really very. Uh, I'm just going to say it again because I can't think of another word. Open. 
Um, I think also these teams too, you look at some of the squads these teams have, the likes of Blackburn, QPR, even Swansea to an extent too, I think depth is an issue for them. Uh, The season goes on, their position could easily get weaker. Um, We obviously have our own issues squad-wise, but we do have some flexibility, you would hope, in the market in January to reinforce a little bit. So I think things will get closer even. Um, And Burnley, obviously, you know, the last five games have won four, drawn one. They've they've kind of found their groove a little bit under under company there. But... I think there's every possibility that things open up even more and it gets tighter and tighter. You know, look at the teams above too. We're talking about the um, we're talking about the point difference and the, the top two teams have both played both played the game more than us as well as of Norwich. Um, we so played all those teams above us. I'm just looking at it. Yeah, well, uh, Norwich as well. Norwich have really struggled with teams around. I don't think Norwich have beaten any of the teams in that group, have they? Either? That's it. We've beaten Norwich. We beat Sheffield United and we beat Burnley. We obviously lost to yeah. Blackburn, QPR, and Swansea. I think that probably gives you, you know, would you have said that yeah. those teams that we've seen, any of them kind of blew you away? I, I don't, I miss no. Blackburn and QPR because I was on holiday, but the rest of them, Swansea were the only one actually where I thought, oh, you can see, you know, they kind of dicked us that night um, yeah. in footballing terms. But yeah, the rest of them I wouldn't say I was blown away with. No, and Burnley, Burnley were kind of early on in fairness to them at the time. Yes, but, they were, um... they were, as were Sheffield United to be fair. Yeah, but yeah, still, but mate, the point is, so were we, I guess. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, true. That's true. Yeah, ignore that and buy into the overarching point, which is that anyone can beat them. So you don't think it's, you don't, you don't think Burnley have, um, have, you know, have got it to lose then? Oh, no, no. This, you know, we've, they've done well, haven't they, in that they've only lost one game, but they, they've drawn eight, which is, you know, nearly half. No, literally more than half. Good maths. Um, there's more than half of their games they've drawn. So, uh, no, it's not. Oh my God! Wow. What's wrong? What's worse than getting basic maths wrong once? Getting it wrong twice. Good lord! They've played eighteen games. Nine is a draw. Nine is half of eighteen, not six. Um, Welcome to maths leave this with in. Tom Burdell. Yeah, yeah. Leave this in. Wow. Wow. Um, so they've not drawn half their games, but nearly half their games, which you know is uh, interesting. So I saw a great tweet while I was on in Dublin recently. Um, I think it was Adam Drury, Watford fan, who tweeted something along the lines of, uh, "This this isn't true anymore, but it was at the time. The team that was, was top at that point had kind of had, had lost and drawn more games than they'd won." Um, and so on and so you know like how just mad the championship was i'll have to dig it out it was just kind of summed up the the state of the championship at that point right here you go the championship is drunk burnley more draws than wins blackburn in fifth at that point no draws but more losses than coventry who are bottom at that stage reading sixth have a minus five goal difference preston in 13th have scored and conceded fewer goals than anyone first to fifth is separated by a point first to 14th is separated by six points. Now that was on October sixteenth. We're now a couple of weeks on, so it's obviously shaken up a bit. But it's it's interesting, isn't it? You know, Burnley have drawn and lost as many games as they've won. Blackburn in second have lost seven games, which is more than almost anyone in the top half. You've got a team with a, a, a goal difference of zero, a team in the top half with a goal difference of minus two. Preston, who you know seem to only deal in goals games with a single goal in them until recently. So, yeah, it's, it's a championship. What do we expect? It's nuts. Yeah. All right. Speaking of craziness, did any of you, last last thing, it's not non-related, but speaking of craziness, 
Yeah. They only managed to catch the um, the Charlton Ipswich finish yesterday. The 4-4. 4-4. And they were 4-2 up in stoppage time, were they? Yeah, you've got to check the highlights out for that if you haven't seen it. It's a good, oh, really? it's a good watch. And if you're really bored, um, find BBC Somerset and you can listen back to to my commentary uh, from uh, Yeovil versus Maidstone. Huge Matt Messiano fan. Just want to hear some more Matt Messiano audio, then head over to BBC Somerset. Well, that was quite a nice finish. Um, I mean, not so much for Yeovil, but for, for Maidstone, who uh, did deserve it, but they got a penalty in the last minute, so it was quite exciting. Uh, Yeovil really felt like they were going to Nick it, and I was a bit, I was quite sad for them because... Um, oh, 96 minute, Regan Booty. They, did, they didn't manage it, but not a bad start onto their new manager, so that was... That was... Oh, Cooper. <laughs> Lovely stuff. Well, that wraps things up for today's episode of the Watford Pod. Um, if you're wondering, hang on a second, they didn't talk about anything to do with uh, that very recent Adam Leventhal story. We are planning to talk about it, but um, we thought we'd get, more importantly, the, the, the result out of the way with, with the Wigan Athletic victory and the back-to-back wins and we're excited about that we will compose ourselves and come back for um talking about that subject uh, another day would you recognize me yep sounds perfect sounds good good stuff let's have a quick look at the reviews and no reviews oh gosh no reviews since september come on guys we, we, we need some more reviews if you can uh, go to the podcast section of the apple podcasts uh go down to the bottom and give us a rating out of five uh, let us know how the show's going what you think of it and um would be very much uh we'll be very delighted to, 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 for you to, to um, let us know those things um you can get in contact with us on twitter uh if you would like to at tv Bedell, at jordan weimer at messi messiano or the show at watford pod uh but that's it for today um I've been Matt and I've been uh, very welcomed back by these two. Um, I'm looking forward to, to talking again in a week's time uh, about two games. But first of all, the Cardiff one and then Coventry. Yeah. Coventry. Yeah, excellent. Good stuff on Guy Fawkes Day as well, no less. So hopefully there'll be some fireworks this Saturday. Boom <laughs> tish. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> See you later. Goodbye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 